Can President Biden just ignore judicial decisions he doesn't like? And can any of us ignore Clarence Thomas's gross corruption? This is the Balance of Power Roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast. I'm Matt Robeson, your host with my usual co-hosts and panel, Alicia Preston, our conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant, and former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes. Paul, you must be relieved to not being be back to your role of former U.S. congressman and not have to play your role of former prosecutor. You are both, but we were really leaning into your prosecutorial chops last week. And now it's a nice, quiet week where you could just be a simple country congressman. There, there were no arraignments. There were no no new indictments. Oh, there's a deposition out. coming, though, dude. But yeah, we'll get to that. We'll but, get to that. You know, All right. Let's start with the news that dominated the weekend, the expulsions of two state representatives in Tennessee. What happened for anyone who's been asleep for the last four or five days is that the Republican-controlled, the Republican-dominated legislature in Tennessee had taken the extraordinarily rare step of expelling two Tennessee legislators for leading a protest on the floor of the Tennessee House. They decided not to expel a third legislator who was also part of leading that protest. The protest was over the underlying issue of gun violence after the nearby horrific school shooting last week in Tennessee. And what really made national news about all of this was not just that the Tennessee Republicans decided to expel these two legislators, but they did not expel the third one. The one they didn't expel is white. The two legislators they expelled were black. Not a good look. The update as of today is that one of these two expelled Democrats, Representative Justin Jones, under the procedure that they have there in Tennessee, was able to be immediately reappointed to his seat. So he is back in the legislature. The other, Justin Pearson, looks set to be reappointed to his seat in the legislature. The leadership of the Tennessee House is now making a lot of mouth noises about, oh, great, you're back. We are so happy to welcome you back. It seems like they realized that they stepped on a massive political rake here. But Alicia, you can't be thrilled with any of this, can you? I think this, like most stories out there today, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, there's more to the story than the headlines tell like everything out there, but people jump on the headline that they want to support or oppose to get criticize the other side. There are rules in the Tennessee legislature that you cannot protest in the well, period, end of story, the penalty for which is expulsion. They did that with a bullhorn. And what's funny is before the woman was able, the white woman was able to stay by one vote. She Gloria was not Johnson is her name. Is that what her name? Is yeah. She was uh, by one vote. She was not expelled. The others were. And before she was saved, the, it was, of course, it's the two black guys and a woman. And then when the woman was saved, oh, no, it's just the black guys. The narrative just kept evolving to fit the narrative of the agenda of the speaker, whomever that speaker was. I think the optics are terrible, and I don't know why people don't take that into account, that it was two black men who were expelled, expelled. But that being said, they were the ones who did it. They were the ones who did the protest. The local county board or city board, I think, is the one that got to reinstate them because it's their job to appoint who would be the fill. And I think that's good. But people don't take optics into account. I think in today's world, they had to. They handed 
the Democrats in Tennessee and also across the country, a narrative of racism that I don't think existed. I don't think it had anything to do with it. I think they were saying, knock it off. This isn't the place to have a protest. Look, I do a lot of work in my state house, and the rules are very strong about behavior in the chamber. And I think they have to be, or else it's chaos. We do not want parliament in our legislatures in the United States of America. It's chaos. Yeah. Hoods off in Tennessee, folks. Take them off. Point let's, made. Let's let's just take off the hoods. Just put them back there. And that would be a great name for a show. Under the hood in Tennessee. Under the hood in Tennessee. They didn't burn crosses after they got rid of those two black guys. That, uh, those, that's quali- that qualifies as an advance in Tennessee. They've come a long way. Yeah, they've come a long way. They didn't actually burn crosses in in the chamber after they got rid of the two black guys, those troublemakers, those uppity black guys protesting. How dare they? What I was interested in was Mr. Pearson. I heard a speech, a part of a speech Mr. Pearson gave on the floor in his defense before they outed him. And he was talking about some of the other people who are still seated in the house in Tennessee, despite their misdeeds. There's there's a child molester. There's a on and on. You, you have this litany. I'm build on that. First of all, the two men who were expelled are both named Justin. So there's been a lot of Justin swapping going on. So Justin this one was, was Representative Justin Jones, right. who gave this speech. I thought it was and Justin Pearson. This was Justin Jones. I got my They're Justin. both incredibly yeah. eloquent. This yeah. man, they are good speakers. I watched the speeches too. They're amazing. They're actually yeah, no, they're they're excellent speakers. And now I actually feel bad about my role on a podcast. I'm like... We should just give this job to Justin Jones. He's much better than I am. But anyway, but anyway here's they, what Paul was alluding to. Here's what Paul was alluding to. What he, what Mr. Jones said is to his Republican colleagues, for years, one of your colleagues was an admitted child molester. I've looked this up. This is true. He admitted to sex with multiple underage girls while he was their coach. Sat in this chamber, no expulsion. One member sits in this chamber who was found guilty of domestic violence. I looked this one up too no expulsion. We had a former speaker sit in this chamber who is now under federal investigation. Also true. We did a video about this on Blue Amp, found a nice picture of the guy. He's exactly what you'd expect. No expulsion. We have a member still under federal investigation, no expulsion. Here's a good one for you, Alicia. There may not be a rule against this, but you and I have both worked in and around the New Hampshire legislature. I propose that we make sure that there be a rule about this, because it seems like there should be a rule about this. Mr. Jones says, we had a member pee in another member's chair in this chamber, no expulsion. And I just... I, if that's a if that's not a rule, I think that should be one. I think that should be a rule. That should be a rule. I, I'm going to check with the speaker, Speaker Packard, and I'm going to see you? if there's a would rule. You, on that that. Would, I will. I will inquire. Back, this I, is I will report back. Is there a rule would that you, you just cannot drop pee? him an email right now? Want me to shoot him a text? Could you send, could you shoot him a text? Anyway, I'm my point being, text. Paul, I'm just I'm not to step on. You're making this exact that, point. That's okay. I'm making the. Point I just wanted to. I just wanted to give the full set of facts that Mr. Jones provided. They're breathtaking. So here. I have a, I'll make a personal confession. My The personal confession I have is I was never that good a parent at setting boundaries. And as a result, my two Did eccentric- Did Max pee children, in your chair? Is that what you're trying no, to tell me? No. My two eccentric children are artists living the life of artists. And Pego and I occasionally say, gosh, we should have set boundaries. And Alicia, I know, is a much better parent than I ever was because she's very strict about her boundaries, including... I, I'm sure you pee in my chair, you're out of the house. At but least grounded for a it, week. 
in the in in legal parlance, by the way, that's known as the, the rule against urination. <laughs> there are all kinds of legal rules in the textbooks, and the rule against urination. You might say it's your number one. It's but a, I'm bum. Oh it, yes, I'll be here all week. I'm thinking of John Lewis on the floor of the United States House, gathering a group of Democrats and having a sit-in in the in the chamber. I don't think anybody was expelled there. And if the Republican leadership is so offended by a protest about gun safety that they're going to get rid of the two uppity black legislators who happened to lead the protest, then the consequences for the Tennessee Republicans and, in fact, the national Republicans are well-deserved. And I'm hoping that this incident will become a real flag operation for Democrats all across the country. Well, listen, Alicia, if you, as a communications consultant, which you are, if you were advising clients about, here's a dream scenario, here's the best way to get attention, you're going to lead a protest, oh, I hope you get expelled from the legislature for this, because you'll be back within days. You won't miss a single vote, which in the case of Mr. Jones is literally true. And you are going to become national heroes to your party and get way more media attention for your- And you might even be governor one day because of it. This is, first of all, the arc of the moral universe is bending toward Mr. Jones and Pearson and kudos to you. You deserve it. I just, my point about this, just to take this back to our experience, Alicia, I was a staffer in the state Senate of New Hampshire. We had an incident in the state Senate where there was a state senator- named Sam Cataldo. And Mr. Oh, yes. Cataldo, look, he's deceased now. I don't want to speak ill of him per se. But I love Sam. Okay. He was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Let's just, you know what? You don't have to speak ill of him anyway. He was actually quite addled. And he was someone who did not understand how vaccines work. This was like 12 years ago. He was speaking out against the measles vaccine. I'm not making this up. So anyway, we had a vote in which... He voted wrong, and it was a razor-thin majority for Republicans in the legislature. And our mutual friend, the majority leader, the Republican majority leader, State Senator Jeb Bradley, former Congressman Jeb Bradley. Now Senate President. He's now Senate President, Jeb Bradley, who's an awesome dude, pulled aside the Democratic leader, Sylvia Larson, these are all mutual friends of ours, and said, look, Sylvia, Sam voted wrong here. Could we just, like, redo this vote? And Sylvie was like, sure, I get it. No problem. He's an old man. He gets confused. So we redid the vote. And he freaking voted wrong again, okay? He voted wrong again. And finally, Jeb came back to Sylvia and was like, Sylvia, could we do that just one more time? <laughs> and she was like, yes, Jeb. of course, Jeb, my friend. We can do that one more time. And Jeb literally was like, Sam, if you screw this up again, that's it. We lose on this issue and it's over. And he finally, like, with staffers, like, literally hands up the what puppeting him made him vote the correct way for Republicans. But my point is, there are rules and there's also, like, intelligence. And so Tennessee Republicans, mm. you stepped on a massive rate. It doesn't matter what the freaking letter of the rules is here. This was just an absolute colossal. And you know what? The fact that Mr. Jones and Mr. Pearson are now getting all this recognition is absolutely just and good for them and bad on the Tennessee Republicans. You want to hear the best thing that happened, though, out of this? The best thing that happened is one of them, and I'm 
I don't remember which, Justin, that was on a plane from Nashville to Newark yesterday or the day before. And on the plane was famous folk singer Joan Baez, a leader in the civil rights movement with her music. And apparently there is video out there, I haven't seen it, of them singing together freedom songs. It might be maybe in the Newark airport, maybe it was on the plane. I don't know, but that's the news report. So out of this, at least somebody got some good harmonies singing freedom songs with Joan Baez. I'm going to insert that into the video and pod here because it is out on the internet. That's an amazing find by our online sleuth, former Congressman Paul Hodes. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I know that I do believe we shall overcome. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Can we do a quick This Week in Trump? Because we teased before that we were going to once again get Paul back into his legal role. You have to take off your congre- if there were like a congressional hat you wore, like a dunce cap, you can switch it for, I don't know, your robe or whatever. Okay, so Trump is back in New York this week, a much less hyped way. He has to give a deposition to Letitia James. Paul, first of all, what's a deposition? A deposition is a question and answer session under oath, usually taken in a civil case which the case that he's giving a deposition is, it's a civil case. And that deposition then becomes part of the, essentially the ammunition that can later be used in court. It's used for discovery, to discover what somebody thinks about something and what somebody's going to say about something. But it's always the kind of sword that can hang over somebody's head if they go to trial and testify. You usually sit there with the deposition while they're testifying and find places where they have been inconsistent and then skewer the witness. So it's a Reddit, ask me anything, except if you lie you can be charged with a crime. It's a, it is a, a deposition is taken under oath. You swear to tell the truth so that theoretically people who lie in depositions could be charged with perjury if they lie. It rarely happens. And most of the time, it's most of the time depositions are used for credibility cross-examination. Now, the last time that Donald Trump sat for a deposition with Letitia James. I I just want to understand this. This is fascinating. He took the fifth. He invoked his Fifth Amendment right against uh, self-incrimination more than 400 times. Only mobsters take the fifth. Only organized crime figures. Isn't that what he said? According to Donald Trump. Only the mafia, only mobsters in the mafia take the fifth. I I don't understand. So, So my question for you is this. Can the fact that, are there circumstances under which taking the fifth can be 
used as presumptive evidence against you. This guy had to take the fifth 400 times. Doesn't it mean there's something going on here? Or is it a total like you're off scot-free? You're not off scot-free, but there's nothing, there, there are no answer. There's no questions and answers to use. And it in a civil case, it's a little different than in a criminal case. You're, you're, you're not, you can't, your silence can't be used against you. In a civil case, I think the evidence can come in that the person didn't answer any of the questions, but took the fifth. And because he was obviously you take the fifth because you're concerned about your potential criminal liability. So it in a civil case, it it's really a pretty challenging balancing act. Do I take the fifth? Do I say something? The problem is when you give a deposition under oath and you give answers, those answers can come back to haunt you in other cases. And so Donald Trump taking the fifth is because he's worried about his criminal liability and all the pending cases that are, are waiting in the wings, as well as now the current case in New York. So my understanding is, and let me just run this by you, and then I will be done with the legal section of the Balance of Power Roundtable, is that according to the Supreme Court, Prosecutors, if you're in a criminal trial like Donald Trump was arraigned for with, against criminal charges last week, prosecutors can't tell the jury, hey, this guy took the fifth Correct. and you can infer that he's hiding something. Correct. But in a civil case, generally, and the Supreme Court has allowed this, if you're in a civil case, the prosecutor can tell the jury, hey, this guy took the fifth 400 freaking times. Make of that what you will. And that is okay. So what but, Donald Trump is look, facing this week, if he decides to take the fifth again, that could potentially carry some risk as well. So for, let me just correct one word you used. Oh, okay. In a civil case, there is no prosecutor. There is a uh, I see. there's a plaintiff and a defendant. And just to be clear, in a civil case, folks, there nobody goes to jail in a civil case. The damages are assessed in terms of monetary damages. In a criminal case, not only can there be fines, but you can go to jail. Civil and criminal people all often get confused about what the difference is. One's about money and the other is about time and the slammer. You are right, Matt, about the difference in terms of the way taking the fifth can be used. In a civil case, can be used. In a criminal case, can't be used. So part of the reason, I think that this is interesting and important in its own right, but part of the reason I wanted to bring this back up is that Politico's lead this morning was agita, as they put it, as my people would call it, over among Democrats over, wow, the Trump vortex has been activated again. And should we allow ourselves to get sucked into it again and make Trump the focus of our communications, our messages, or do we, this is like a, an old argument among Democrats. Some Democrats say you can't make everything all about Trump or you'll lose. Some Democrats say, yes, we can. We can make everything about Trump. Alicia, I know you love giving advice to your Democratic friends. What would you say? I don't know, while you were talking, a little like online video, 10 second video came to mind that I think the Democrats should use repeatedly and repeatedly if he takes the fifth on Thursday. The problem is political people are really slow on the uptake when it comes to creating videos and messages and things. They're just not on top of it. But here's one for you. 2016 Iowa rally. 
All you need to do is put a headline that will come out in the New York Times or something that says Donald Trump takes a fifth 247 times. And then you play the video that all the only part you have to play is if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? And that's, that's Trump. A, that's Trump. Trump. That Trump said Trump. that in an Iowa Trump. rally in 2016. I hate giving you guys advice, except I do when it comes to Trump because we all know how I feel about that man. That's what I would do. Just remind people headline, however many times, 247 takes a fifth with the video of him saying that and leave it. Let people decide. I I love that. You may see that coming to a Blue Amp channel on YouTube near you. And look, also, what's funny is that even though this is the Politico lead, they also inserted an anonymous Democratic consultant, your counterpart, Alicia, saying, look, this isn't an either or, baby. And it just reminds me, we had the head of the, the CAP Action Fund, Naveen Nayak, who's a brilliant Democratic operative on this show right before the midterms. And then right after the midterms, we had the celebrated Democratic pollster, Jeff Pollack. They were the two Democratic messaging gurus who were behind the MAGA Republicans line that Joe Biden started using last fall. I don't think, so I agree. I don't think it's an either or here. I think that this new deposition is just another opportunity. It You don't have to attack Republicans or attack Trump. You can you can go after them all. The Republicans in Congress are defending Donald Trump. You're defending the indefensible. So great. Have your cake and eat it too. Well, and I just want to expound upon that a little bit. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's not Democrats focusing on Donald Trump to get Donald Trump in 2024. This is a down ticket message. I am thoroughly convinced in 2022, the Republicans who lost in the swing states lost because of their allegiance to Donald Trump. And people were tired of the crazy. They're tired of the chaos. They're tired of the Trumpism. And so it is not just for Donald Trump in 2024. It is a down ticket message. And look, I think Republicans are making a big mistake right now. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy is a very successful businessman who's running for president. He's already got television ads running in New Hampshire, maybe Iowa. I'm not sure. I know he's playing heavy in the early states and he can afford it. And the second Trump got indicted, he changed his ad to be a defense of Donald Trump. And I said to myself, who are you targeting for votes? Because if I'm voting based on the fact I think Donald Trump is being persecuted, guess who I'm voting for? Donald Trump. I'm not voting for you, Vivek, because you agree that Donald Trump's in an unfortunate situation. Like, it boggles my mind, the politicos out there on both sides of the aisle that can't capture the reality of what we regular folks are feeling. And that includes every member of Congress who is Donald Trump's being persecuted. I don't get it. It's hard to I imagine. I don't get it either. Look, we've spent a lot of time on this show trying to imagine what's going through the minds of various Republicans. It's really... It's my best guess is circus music and gospel hymns. <laughs> circus music. I was thinking the what was that? Remember that English show, Benny, Benny Hill? Benny Hill. Yeah, Baba. yeah. That. <laughs> this week in Trump. This we, week in I, Trump. We, we actually, oh my gosh. you need theme music for that. I will write some for you and, and Ooh, custom and, theme music. That, that would be amazing. That custom would be awesome. Music. That would be great. Like final thing on this point. I teased on the show last week that I had a Newsweek article coming out. The article did indeed come out, and I made the case that the arraignment last week was way worse than Donald Trump or his MAGA allies, including the on-again bromance over at Fox News. This was way worse than they imagined. And one of my points was people who are looking at this in isolation are missing it. And I guess it's all well and good for people to criticize. Maybe these charges are, they're salacious, 
because they tie to his affair, but like not that bad maybe. But my argument was, this is about fraud. We talked about this last Tuesday. The charges in New York were not about campaign finance. They were about fraud. That's an easily understandable thing. And the civil charges that he's giving the deposition about this week are also about fraud. And then you layer on the classified documents case, the election interference case, the possible January 6th cases. And the list of things that Republicans have to defend him for gets longer and longer. So my answer, just like the anonymous Democratic consultant suggested, is it doesn't have to be an either or. Make Republicans continue having to dig themselves down into defending him more and more. And this fraud theme is real. He is a fraud. It's the best branding about him that Democrats could come up with because it has the benefit of being true. On that note, I have a question for you guys. Take it legally, politically, governmentally, however you want. Can the president of the United States just ignore judicial rulings he doesn't like? And I ask that because U.S. Senator Ron Wyden suggested that President Biden should do just that after the ruling came out at the end of last week about the abortion medication. But you had a federal judge with a long history of right-wing activism who never should have been appointed to the bench, barely qualified, and for which the plaintiffs in this case did some serious forum shopping, meaning they tried to engineer getting their case in front of this client judge to get a ruling that most legal experts think is pretty screwy, and that's a legal term. And so Senator Ron Wyden said, there's no way this decision has a basis in law. It's rooted in conservatives, I'm quoting here, dangerous and undemocratic takeover of the country's institutions. I believe the Food and Drug Administration has the authority to ignore this ruling, which is why I'm calling on President Biden, the FDA, to do just that. Paul, can Joe Biden just tell the federal court system to pound sand? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Well, Ron Wyden, Ocasio-Cortez, and one Republican, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, suggested, all suggested that the FDA should simply ignore the ruling. And by the FDA, they mean the Biden administration. By the Biden administration, they're trying to tag the president with the whole issue. They're saying, okay, it's a bullshit decision. The FDA should just forget about it. And the likely answer is that's pretty stupid okay because we whether we like it or not we had elections elections have consequences the consequences of electing trump is that he appointed crazy judges crazy judges do crazy things the consequences people you you elected donald trump so now here you're living with the crazy decision from this Texas judge. So in terms of the long arc of justice and history, we want to, while we may disagree vehemently with the decisions of federal judges, there is a procedure in place to deal with the appellate process, and that ought to be followed. So answer, the FDA should not simply ignore the decision because they say it's bullshit. That way lies lawlessness. And as much as we 
may hate the decision, use the legal process, not the bully pulpit or some other pulpit to say, we're just ignoring it. That, that doesn't work in America. To quote the great Darth Vader, I have you. Now, it turned out Darth did not have Luke Skywalker then. But okay, let me ask you this one. It's 2024, and there is a rogue secretary of state in, I don't know, Arizona. It's not Arizona, but there's a rogue, rogue secretary of state who makes a ruling like Catherine Harris did in 2000 in Florida that skews the vote in a pivotal swing state and hands the Electoral College to presumptive president-elect Donald John Trump. We firmly believe on this panel, as do most right-thinking Americans, that if Donald Trump is re-elected as president of the United States, it means the end of America as we know it. And there is some there is at least some cause to say, yep, there, there was malfeasance, this what, but the court system upholds what the Secretary of State does. It goes through to the counting of the votes. We just saw this scenario where Donald Trump was telling Mike Pence, just declare that I'm the winner. Do we have to follow what the courts say in that regard? Yes, of course, for the reasons that Paul just laid out. So we can't because who's going to pick and choose this time? Our democracy is really at stake. So we're going to do everything against the very foundation of our democracy to begin with our separation of powers and our judicial system. And we're going to just throw it all away for the sake of democracy. That makes no sense. And it's dangerous. We had a situation like that in the year 2000, the Al Gore v. Bush, which ended up a sham in Florida over the supposed hanging chads went to the Supreme Court with a bad decision. And we ended up with George W. Bush in the war in Iraq. Thank you very much, Florida and the United States Supreme Court. And we ended up living with it. And so did the rest of the world. The answer is, we have a judicial system and we have to live with we live with the consequences. That's it, people. That's why votes count. And I'm just pushing you guys on this. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just to push this. So if we thought that Trump back in office was an extinction level event, like the frickin' meteor that killed the dinosaurs, we thought this is an extinction level event for America that would lead to civil war. We would say, hey, nothing we can do. A judge somewhere ruled it this way. And we the Supreme Court, which basically has the majority it has because Trump handpicked them and because Mitch McConnell did the whole maneuver where he wouldn't allow a Democratic president for a whole freaking year to appoint a Supreme Court justice. That's it's just it's who's the decider. If Trump's back in office, it's because people voted him back in office. First of all, that's never going to happen. He is not going to get another term as president. It is never going to happen. In I a million look years. forward when we're living in a cave together and doing mm -hmm. this show to revisiting this discussion. Okay. But A, it's never going to happen. B, if it does, it is because. Marianne Williamson is his vice presidential candidate. Oh, dear Lord. It's going to like the team of rivals. It's going to be Trump Williamson as the as Trump's ticket for 2024. And that way he's going to pull in from the left and pull in from the right. He's That's his path to victory. I thought he Fantastic. had Marjorie Taylor Greene on his list. I'm not saying I disagree with you guys. I just, it's no, it's a terrible, it's, interesting. it's a terrible it's a dilemma. It's a terrible dilemma. The country is in is uh, what can you say about the state of the country? The real problem with what you've said, Matt, is it could be true.
it could actually happen that way. And then we're living in a, we're living, God help us, is all I can say. But speaking of horrifying things about the judicial system that could be true, here's one that is. Clarence Thomas is a corrupt son of a bitch. He has for years, according to an article in ProPublica that was published at the very end of last week, mm. been accepting hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in trips, gifts. It, it sounds like lifestyles of the rich and famous, baby. It's all okay, though, because he's a friend of Harlan Crow. And after all, what does Harlan right. Crow have to Real do? Real estate magnate, court? Republican mega donor, and Marvel villain supername Harlan Crow. It is a good um, name for a Marvel villain. It is villain. a great name. Oh, Harlan Crow. Oh. I, but a Marvel supervillain wouldn't have that voice, right? Oh, yes, I he mean, would. Presumably. I don't know. But he's been accepting all of this stuff. And you know what? That's not even the worst part. The worst part is he goes on these trips and it's, oh, lo and behold, who else is here? A whole bunch of conservative lobbyists <laughs> and, and activists and are here to bend your ear. This is just some friendly time. It's a casual get-together of people... Yeah trying to influence you. And so no, we never talked about any of these things. Alicia, defend your boy. Yeah, I don't care. The idea that rich, famous people and powerful people don't hang out together is ridiculous. Of but course Supreme they Court do. justices? Supreme Court justices hang out with other rich people too. This is what the lifestyles of the rich and famous, you mocked it? That's exactly what it is. The idea that Clarence Thomas only votes conservatively because his rich friends are conservative is ludicrous well, because that's he's also always been conservative. No, you're right. Come these on. trips are not the undoing. Clarence Thomas was a saint before he went on these trips. Actually, that's Alicia, right. you may have convinced me. Well done. Clarence Thomas was always a paragon of virtue, at least according to Anita Hill. He's been in a paragon of virtue his entire life. And there's no problem with his wife actively trying to uh, undo the 2020 election. There's no problem with the, with accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of trips and gifts, which in any other forum, judicial or legislative, would have that person indicted. Okay. The, the, and the, oh dear God! The, First the, of all, that's not the even real true. Challenge is there's no code of ethics for the Supreme Court. That's the real challenge. And so, what is Clarence Thomas's defense? I don't know. My guys told me I could do it, so I I did it. It's only been that is literally. Years. By the way, Paul's not. Let's making be this clear. Up. He literally said, some guy, I, uh, this is a real quote. He's, some guy told me it's all okay. <laughs> no, that's, no, he <laughs> used to file all, if you look early on, he was filing all this stuff from this very person. What's his name? Crow. He Crow. was filing the trips and stuff he received and he was told he didn't have to do that anymore. So he didn't hide it. He was filing Harlan every Crow. year. By, who? By some Harlan guy. Crow. He Harlan said his colleagues. told him. He said he was told by colleagues he didn't have to file. So why would you file and then not file if you're doing Some something guy. wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. Rich people hang out with rich people. And if I had a billionaire friend and he expected me to foot my own bill to a fancy island, I'd be pissed and I'd expect I would agree with you, Alicia, except you're not a Supreme Court justice much as I Maybe would I actually should be. be okay with that. Maybe. I don't have a law degree, but you don't have to have a law degree to be a Supreme Court justice, well, you, right? No, but what you do have to do is be nominated, not during the final year of a president's term, if Mitch McConnell is part of the other party. It's very complicated. Ask Mitch mm. McConnell when you can and cannot, under our Constitution, a be second. a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out, though, that Harlan Crow, um, I love that name, noted supervillain Harlan Crow, 
gave half a million dollars to a group founded by Ginny Thomas, the most corrupt person on earth. And that group paid her $120,000. Ginny Thomas is bankrolled. She is bought and paid for by Harlan Crow, but that's all okay. None the only thing I don't understand is why I don't know any of these Clarence people Thomas. who can give me money. Why don't I know these people? I'll consult for them. This is the Supreme Court, Alicia. They're supposed to be pure as the driven snow. They're as so- I said, the they're idea so- that Clarence Thomas votes conservatively be, because of Harlan Crow is supposed to say you're not funny, but that was really funny. Pure as the driven snow. They're supposed to be removed from political influence. They're supposed to be removed from influence outside the cases they're dealing with. Whether they're conservative or liberal, the proscription the basic common sense ethical prescription against taking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of travel and gifts is so basic that even a fifth grader, no, even a third grader would understand that you don't want to be involved in any way that would influence you in any way if you're on the Supreme Court. Can I ask this? Can I ask this, Paul and Alicia? There are multiple activists, multiple lobbyists involved in like apparently like hanging out on these trips, on these yachts with Clarence Thomas. If they have active interests before the court, Alicia, is that a problem? If they're involved in cases which could affect their businesses or their lobbying clients and they're hanging out on these trips paid for by this Republican mega donor, is that a problem? Hypothetically, yes, it would be a problem. Do we have any evidence that's the case? I haven't I, heard that anywhere. It is a hypo- I agree that it's a hypothetical, but we also don't have the full list of all the people. We know that there are lobbyists and activists and business people. Yes, and, you should not socialize with someone who has business before your court unless you plan on recruiting yourself. That's and absolutely Harlan true. Crow, by the way, is a major funder of organizations which have business before the court. We can do seven oh, degrees wow. of Kevin Bacon all we want and probably get back to me being on the Supreme Court. Were they there when he had business before the court? No, not that I've heard. And I'm sure the media would have brought that out. By sure. sure. <laughs> I'm going to sound know. like Joe Pesci here. I'm sure that if you'd like to voir dire <laughs> all of these instances, that you'll be more than satisfied with the upstanding nature of all these relationships. All right. Did you say you? We got to go. This is, I don't know. I don't, more to come on this. I'll bet you. You know what, Alicia? You might be right. I think the media is probably going to be looking into this. All right. On that very happy note, that is it for Paul and Alicia. I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time.